Mr. Smiley, this is KBLA Talk 1580. Our phone number 1-800-920-1580. 1-800-920-1580. When you hear that music, it is so... Uh, like our guest in this hour, the music for Y&R is so iconic. When you hear it, you know exactly what it is, do you not? Our guest in this hour is Eric Braden, perhaps better known as the iconic Victor Newman on The Young and the Restless, who has announced that he has cancer in real life. And just as his famed character has lived his life out loud for over 40 seasons on Y&R, Eric Braden has been bold, courageous, and transparent about his own cancer diagnosis and his dance with mortality, a dance we all have to do at some point. He joins us live in studio in this hour to talk about his health challenge and knowing him as I do, plenty of politics as well. Actor Eric Braden joins us live in studio right now. If you've never checked out our live stream on our YouTube channel or on the app, now would be a good time to tune in because Victor Newman is in the house. Eric Braden, how are you, sir? Life is but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. Mm. It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. That's one of the most pessimistic passages in uh, Macbeth. Mm -hmm. Anyway, how are you, my man? If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. Uh, I am always honored to be in dialogue with you. Always humbled when you choose to come in studio to see us. And let me start with this. I want to just deal with this now and uh, we'll move forward because there's so much more to talk about in this hour. Uh, uh, including uh, the fact that I've been texting uh, Eric Braden lately. Um, every time I turn on television, and I, I love watching a lot of old stuff. This audience knows I talk about it all the time. I love watching old stuff. So I got all these old channels, Get TV, Me TV, any, any channel that's showing old stuff. I kind of uh, late at night when I can't sleep, watch this stuff. And it's been funny to me over the last couple of weeks. I've texted Eric at least three or four times because every time I turn on some old show, whether it's Ironside or Mission Impossible <laughs> or you name it, uh, uh, he, he's on it. And so, Eric, I said, man, I didn't know you did a, an issue, of, uh, an episode of Mission Impossible. I didn't know you did this, didn't know you did this. When we think of Eric Braden, we think of Victor Newman for 40-plus seasons as if that's all he's ever done. Of course, we saw him in the big movie Titanic. We, everybody saw him in that. But sometimes, as long as I've known him, I get tickled by all the stuff he's done in his career, even beyond these 40-plus seasons on Young and Restless. We'll talk about that as we move through this hour. But when I, when I got word, and you've been very open, as I said, very transparent about it. When I got word that um, you had gone public with your cancer diagnosis, I immediately fell to my knees. I said a prayer for you and uh, reached out to you, as you well know. Uh, but because you've been so open about it, I thought we'd just have a conversation about it. Because there are a lot of people, obviously, in this country and indeed around the world who have to deal with that 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 C word. So let me just start by asking how you're feeling and, and, and how you're dealing with the C word. I am feeling fine and I'm dealing... I'm dealing with it very well, I think, because I know I'm in good hands. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a Dr. Bowie at, uh, at CEDAR's expert in those issues. And at the moment, the immunotherapy infusion, which I get once a week for six weeks, is not bad, except on the day of. Mm -hmm. It burns a lot and all that. Long story short, this is stage one cancer. Fortunately, we caught it in time. 
I have an elder brother who's eight years older. They didn't catch it in time, yeah. and so they had to remove his bladder. Mine is at an earlier stage, much earlier stage. So hence it can be dealt with by immunotherapy. It's called BCG. And Bacillus, so-and-so and so-and-so, two French names, two French scientists who invented that years ago, decades ago. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a bovine um, bacillus, tuberculosis, weakened, attenuated, and that arouses your own immune response in your own bladder. Hence, they think that that will then prevent any further spread of some high-grade cancer cells. Mm -hmm. First, the surgeon thought he had gotten everything out, and that would have been the case had the cancer cells been low-grade. But amongst them, in the biopsy they found out, were some high-grade cancer cells. So in order to prevent them from spreading further, we are doing this prophylactically. Mm -hmm. Um, Beyond that, to be frank with you, doing well. I also had my left knee replaced, unfortunately at the same time. Mm. So recovering from the knee surgery was difficult because mm. when you have a prostate that grows larger as it is wont to do for men over 50, mm-hmm. I'm 82 now, so it began to grow and grow, meaning it squeezes on the urethra, mm. meaning you have to pee all the time you do not empty it once. Mm -hmm. So as I was recuperating from knee surgery, I had to get up every half hour to go to the bathroom, which with a new knee is not easy. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know, the world of sports, and you pull yourself together and you do it somehow. And you've been you've been a boxer your entire life, basically. Oh, soccer player, a soccer player, yeah. Soccer player, boxer, soccer and, player, boxer. You've done track it all. And field. Track and field, yeah. So uh, you're you're you're. I have a friend of mine who says I'm in pretty good shape for the shape I'm in. I ask him how you doing. I'm in pretty good shape, Tabis, for the shape I'm in. Um, <laughs> but you look well, handsome as ever. One would never know that you are, have achieved the age of 82. But let, let me ask a couple of things uh, about that. Um, they call it the practice of medicine for a reason. It is the practice of medicine. Right. They don't know everything. No. And they do their best, um, but um, they're ultimately not in control of all these things. And so let me just ask you, um, I mentioned in my introduction to this conversation, that every one of us at some point in our lives has to do that dance with mortality. We're not going to get out of here alive. We all have to dance with mortality at some point. I suspect when one is 82 and one has a knee replacement, when one is 82 and one gets a cancer diagnosis, one, I assume, you're going to tell me in two seconds when I shut up, I assume one starts to think about one's life. Have you not? To be frank with you, I don't. You don't? I really don't. I don't and why a, not? Are you are you avoiding that deliberately, intentionally? No, I don't give a damn. Okay. I mean, it's, 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 look. You sound like Victor Newman now, you know. Yes, but it's true. <laughs> uh, a lot of Things of Victor Newman that come from me, from Eric Brady. I'm sure. So um, I really don't, to be frank with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get pissed off by some of the limitations of the knee now. I'm used to running and doing everything mm-hmm. very vigorously. That has slowed me down. This has slowed me down somewhat, but not really. Mm-hmm. I don't think about it. It's a waste of time. 
you need to be prepared, have your will and all that. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, no, I don't. I love life, love life. Yeah. Look forward to it. I'm as feisty as ever and ready to fight. And uh, no, I, I simply, there are too many wonderful things in life, you know? And I've been very lucky doing this damn show for 43 years. Are you kidding? <laughs> Number one for 37 years. What the hell would I complain about? Yeah. Would be obscene. Mm -hmm. So beautiful, uh, have a, um, grandchildren, great son. He's directing the sequel to Den of Thieves now. Mm -hmm. It's in Spain with O'Shea Jackson, by the way. Mm -hmm. He's a wonderful actor. He's Ice Cube's son, right? He is indeed. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, Gerard Butler. And Anyway, so I have, I'm intellectually very curious. I read a lot, um, have good friends. Why would I complain? And I do not, I've done Shakespeare a lot. And, you know, he prepares you for it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, yeah. I long since have given up certain basic questions about life and death, about the meaning of it all. I don't think there is a meaning, really. Just try to be as nice as you can, be as helpful as you can, be as kind as you can. That's a legacy you should leave. That's the essence of Christianity, I think. I grew up as a, as a, as a Christian. I think all religions have that in common. So, no. And I, I know people who are scared, who are worried, who are concerned always, always paranoid. No, hell no. Yeah. You want shit from me? Come on, let's go. I've never felt that way. I really have not. Okay, it's why I say all the time: if I complained, I'd be an ingrate. Right. I just don't complain. Yeah. Our guest in this hour is Eric Braden. Uh, now that we have dealt with that uh, that cancer diagnosis, which he's handling in fine form and in fine fashion, and still looks as handsome as ever, um, a lot more to talk about. Uh, as I said earlier, you know Eric Braden as I do. Believe me, he has thoughts on a lot of stuff happening in the world today. So we'll spend the rest of the hour talking about the way he sees the world that we are inhabiting right about now. You're listening to Eric Braden. Eric Braden knows um, that uh, Miles has just has fun. Our board op has a field day <laughs> when Eric Braden shows up because he's such a music lover. Uh, and Miles just has fun playing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, and uh, how, how did you, I mean, I'm a music lover, obviously. Um, how did music become so... So critical to your life because you love blues and jazz and R&B. Let me tell you, the first first exposure to American culture was in a, in a totally destroyed city of Kiel, K-I-E-L, on the Baltic Sea in Germany in 1953. Bombed out city. I was 12 years old. My father just passed away. And we were allowed to go to a concert with Louis Armstrong. That I will never, ever forget. And I had a sore vocal cords for weeks afterwards because I tried to imitate him. <laughs> tried, tried, to imitate, tried to imitate Louis Armstrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I will never, never forget the happiness I felt when he came on, man. Mm -hmm. And when the saints go, oh, my God. I will never forget it. Yeah. One of the most seminal moments in my, my early life. 
Miles, Miles, find that up when the Saints go marching in. When you got it, give me the cue. We're gonna, I ain't even gonna wait on it. When you get it, just let me know. And we're gonna take a pause here and play a little with the Saints go marching in from Louis Armstrong. But you were hoarse for a couple of weeks just trying to imitate him. Oh my God. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He would, then he would, then he would pull out his handkerchief and he, ah. Yeah. I tell you, it's, it's, that, that to me, after the war, you must remember, I, mm-hmm. remember, I was born in 1941. Mm-hmm. My first four years were nothing but bombs, every day, every night. Mm-hmm. We hid in the basement every day and every night because we were afraid we were going to be hit by bombs. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you grew up in complete destruction. My town was 96% destroyed. They threw about 500,000 bombs over my town alone. So when you then see Louis Armstrong come on the stage, man, oh, listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> Just want to get a little Louis Armstrong in there. Uh, you can't do much better than that. Uh, and at the age of uh, 82, although he's still young and vibrant, uh, when you hear stuff like that, it takes you back to your childhood, doesn't it? You know, i got to tell you something. I, th- I think what I'm going to start doing a lot now is to dance. Mm. I love to boogie in my garage. I have my own gym and all that. Mm-hmm. And I love the Gypsy Kings, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, this, it doesn't make a difference what kind of music. I know you love music. I yeah. love to move to music. And I think dancing is probably one of the most therapeutic things you can do. Mm-hmm. Now, would, not, not on your bad knee. Not yet, though. No, yes, I have done it with my bad knee. Oh, you've already done it already. Oh, yeah, hell yes. Oh. <laughs> I did too much of it in the beginning. I started doing squats after four days. And, wow. And I thought, oh, oh. I made a dreadful mistake. Yeah. I had it x-rayed, and they said, no, it's okay. I said, whoa. Yeah. So, but dancing, I do it slowly, and man, there's nothing like it. Yeah. It's the most therapeutic thing there is. Yeah. I've known you for years. It's been my great honor. And you said something earlier in this conversation um, that you have infused so much of Eric Braden into the character, oh, Victor yeah. Newman. Um, tell me why you chose to do that and a bit about what we see in Victor Newman that is, in fact, some of Eric Braden. Very good question. When I first started Weinauer, I played nothing but, I was a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Quintessentially nothing but a bad guy. I'd done that for so many years in nighttime television and film that I'd had it. And I went to Bill Bell after about a year and I said, Bill, I'm depressed. I'm empty. I can't play bad guys anymore. I'm just, give this man a background that explains why he is who he is. A few months later, Bill Bell, the genius he is, came up with a fantastic storyline, a background. Mm-hmm. And I said, once I had done that, that first scene when I explained to Nikki that I grew up in an orphanage, uh, left by parents, etc., 
I went to my dressing room, called my wife, and I said, I will stay now, because I knew the potential for a character with enormous ups and downs and uh, emotional sides that one normally doesn't see mm-hmm. had been provided by Bill Bell. I loved it, every moment of it. And uh, I still do. I still draw from that. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I have a feeling that Bill sometimes knew something about one's personal life. And because it became more and more sort of like me in a sense, but then I also insisted on that. Mm-hmm. I insist on making scenes as real as I can make them. That means I sometimes will divert from the dialogue a little bit, but in order to make it my own. Mm-hmm. Acting is about making it your own. Mm. That's all it is. Spencer Tracy once said, learn your damn lines and don't think about them if you know them well enough. That was easy for him to say doing a film. That's easy. Mm-hmm. Weeks to prepare. Mm-hmm. Try this shit that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Okay? Between 10, 15, 20, 25, 35, 40, 45. The most I've done in one day was 62 pages. Mm. Now you try to memorize that and be real. <laughs> okay? So, so, so what, what, is, what is the trick to doing that? When you have that many pages of dialogue, what's, what's the, and, you, and you're doing this every day. Right. What, what's the trick to remembering all that? How, how do you do it? How have you done it? It is, it is like training a muscle, really is. Yeah. Who is very good at it on our show is the guy who plays my son, Joshua Morrow. Mm-hmm. plays Nicholas. And he's Oklahoma, laid back, cool. And I'll be damned. This guy knows his shit. He knows it. Boom, verbatim. You know? Mm-hmm. Am I cursing too much? I have that tendency. Miles is following. He's catching it. He's catching it. I will, okay. I will, I will stop that. <laughs> In between catching your bad words and playing but, music, you'll be okay. But let me right. tell you yeah. why I love to curse mm-hmm. in English. Tell me why. I had a job working for Beacons Moving Furniture when mm-hmm. I came here. I remember Beacons, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I was a partner to an old American geezer. He drove the truck, and he was in charge, and we were carrying up the fridge up an old lady's house in West L.A. somewhere. I was at the bottom holding up the fridge, and he was on top, obviously in good shape. And uh, she said, now don't touch this wall, and don't touch that wall. <laughs> and he said, he suddenly said, lady, will you shut the fuck up? <laughs> I so loved that, that I then immediately began to translate. I said, how does he turn the verb to so-and-so into a noun? I don't get that. Shut the... F. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't understand that. I so, and I remember that moment. I remember the light shining through a window yeah. and me barely holding onto the fridge trying to translate what this guy had. I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I have... <laughs> and you never stopped. No, I've explored it ever since. and never stopped. <laughs> so for those who, those who just heard that explanation, which was hilarious, he's trying to figure out whether it's a verb, whether it's a noun. Right. For those who saw the Kings of Comedy and you saw the brilliant clothes of Bernie Mac uh, describing the various uses of the word MF as a noun, as a verb, as a... <laughs> 
it, 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 my mind immediately went to Bernie Mac, who I miss dearly, because that close at the Kings of Comedy was the best close ever. And I take your point as a person who just came to the country trying to figure out when we use bad words, is it a verb? Is it a noun? What is it? So then when I boxed in the 70th and Hoover mm-hmm. down here in the hood, I learned so much. <laughs> Hold that thought. I got to do news, traffic, and sports. Uh, he's new to the country. He's trying to figure out how we use our bad words and, and in what tense it's I being used. It. And now he's at a boxing gym on 78th and Hoover. We'll talk about that when we come forward. Mr. I Newman loved it. In real life. Eric, Br- Eric Braden called Miles in, our board op, during the break and told Miles to play this. Eric Braden, tell um, tell the audience why you insisted that Miles play James Brown and Pavarotti together. Because it shows you how universal music is. It shows you how it's 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 the it's the juxtaposition of what is so quintessentially American and what is so quintessentially European. And to combine those two as beautifully as it has been combined by these two is just, it it touches me deeply. So what James Brown and Pavarotti were able to do to bring these two worlds together, um, to your point, underscores what is possible. It talks about the universality of all of our feelings, Mm -hmm. expressed somewhat differently, expressed in different languages. But man, you know, when it's done, when art is real, it touches every emotion of everyone around the world. Mm-hmm. I don't need to understand what they say. It's just so deeply felt. And that is the ever appealing part of music. You feel it so viscerally, so deeply. Mm. And that's why I think dancing is... is I'm going to do more of it. I keep on saying it, but I'm going to do more of it, mm. even with my bum knee. It's so important. You lose yourself in rhythm, in something so basic, whether you are in Africa, whether you're in, in Europe, whether you're the dance floor in a small village in northern Germany where we learn how to waltz and tango and all that. Um, music has always has always transported me and I think transports others out of a rather humdrum life out of misery very often. It, it is so, it is, it's divine. Music mm-hmm. is divine. When you hear certain arias sung of certain operas, when you hear uh, Aretha Franklin, you hear uh, Céline Dion, when you hear James Brown, whoever it may be, you just are so deeply touched. And that is what is so appealing about music. And I wish I'd learned an instrument. I have not. I mean, listen to to um, um, what's the blind black singer Stevie uh, Wonder. Stevie Wonder. No. Mm. The big one, the old one. He's unfortunately passed now. Ray, Ray Charles. Ray Charles. Ray Charles, Ray Charles, Ray Charles yeah. is just. I love to listen to Ray Charles. You know. Mm-hmm. When he sings Seven Spanish Angels, mm-hmm. and. Uh, or you hear him with Willie Nelson together. Again, two different cultures, two different, but it's real. That's what music does to me. Yeah. Um, your appreciation of music is uh, is uh, all the more 
uh, arresting for me because I feel the same way when I hear just uh, uh, anything and everything. My my taste in music is so eclectic, not unlike yours. You know, you know, uh, uh, black choir music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. You love gospel. You love it. Love. I love it. Okay, I we, love we, it. We're gonna play something for you. Simply I'll, I'll, love I'll, it. I'll tell Miles what I want. What I want to play for you. And we're gonna it, use some black choir music before you get out of here. Yeah. Let me ask you though. While we're talking about music, I want to come to your artistic genius. Um, if if there are any regrets that Eric Braden has in his 82 year uh, life that is still ongoing, thankfully, is that he didn't learn to play an instrument. Okay, that's one regret he has, but he doesn't regret anything else. But what what, what do you hope? What do you hope? Uh, in 40-plus years of playing Victor Newman and all the other characters you played, what do you hope people have taken away from your artistic genius? Because you're a genius in your own right, brother. Your artistic genius. What do you hope you, what do you hope, what have you tried to give the world through your art, your art form? Davis, I have never thought about that. I really have never Well, think about, about it. Think about it right now. What do you, what do you, what, you, you've been doing it for so well for so long. Right. What do you, what do you hope at least the world has taken from the artistic expression, the artistic genius that you've given us for decades now. I hope that in certain moments, in certain scenes, one has conveyed a kind of reality that makes people empathetic towards others. You know, that makes them feel what others feel. Mm -hmm. If they watch a scene that I happen to do, as I've been very impressed by scenes that some of the actors that I've admired have done, um, they've touched me. If they have touched people, that's all I want, really. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else. Um, I have nothing of great intellectual importance to convey to people except the necessity to read and to know, but also to feel what others feel, to put yourself into the position of empathizing with other people. You know, if I see a guy on the street and uh, he's homeless, well, allow yourself to think about for a minute Mm. or two and realize where he comes from, what he's going through now. Wow. We need far more empathy in this world. Mm. And if art leads to acting, leads to other people saying, oh, now I understand what that person may be going through, um, then I have done a good job. You know? I don't know how to express, express it any differently. Why, 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 do you think, why do you think then that the world lacks such empathy? Because we are doing everything in too rushed a manner. We are too frantic now. We are listening to too many people on television who, well, one in particular, Fox News is poison, Mm -hmm. out and out poison. They have poisoned people's minds, and they have allowed a man like Trump to continue expressing one lie after the other. The man, I don't think, has uttered an honest word since he was born. (laughs) And he's he's a fraud. If ever there was... A bona fide fraud, that man is a fraud. Mm. And those at Fox News who knowingly have supported that man, knowing full well that what he is is a fraud, the the denial of of, of 2020 election, they knew the election was not rigged, Mm -hmm. the election was true, they knew all that. Mm -hmm. 
That was my son calling from Spain. <laughs> and if we weren't live on the radio, as a matter of fact, let me do this right quick. Miles, give me some of that gospel that uh, Eric Braden wanted to hear. Maybe he can talk to his son in this uh, short uh, uh, break as we step aside. You're listening to Eric Braden with his son calling from Spain on KBLA Talk 1580. Eric Braden was saying earlier how much he uh, how much he loved Ray Charles. It's hard not to love Ray Charles. Love Ray Charles. <laughs> it's hard not to love him, man. And, uh, soul in that man's voice. Yeah. Give us some more of that soul, Miles. Turn it up. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of soul in that voice. No, uh, no question about that. I was saying before we uh, went to break, uh, you heard you heard the phone ring listening to this uh, program and our conversation with Eric Braden, Victor Newman of uh, Young and the Restless for 43 years and counting. Uh, you heard his phone ring. That was his son calling from from Spain. So during that break, he had a chance. I said, call him back right quick. Um, and uh, he had him on speakerphone. And it was the sweetest thing because his son called and uh, his dad said, how can I help you? He said, I'm just calling to check on you, Dad. How are you feeling? How are you feeling? So his son is doing the movie Den of Thieves in Spain, and he called just to check on his dad to see how he was doing. And you showed me some some photos of your granddaughter, his daughter, now who's a student at Vanderbilt. i got to connect her to Michael Eric Dyson, who teaches at Vanderbilt. But but talk to me that, that his calling just to check on you. Uh, as you're working your way through this cancer diagnosis was, was mm-hmm. sweet and meaningful. Talk to me about family. People see you on television all the time in your TV family, but just talk to me about your, about your family, your real-life family, um, and what it's meant to you all these years. I have a son, uh, Christian Gudegast, who wrote and directed Den of Thieves one and is now doing his second one that he wrote as well. Uh, I've always been very close to him. I took him to the ghetto gyms down here, 70th and Hoover, when he was about eight, nine years old. And um, I lost my father when I was 12. And I must say, it was a, one of the most mm, dramatic moments in my emotional life early on. It makes you ask all kinds of questions about life and death and religion and all that stuff. So... I've been very close to my son, uh, teaching him early on. Mm-hmm. And my wife had an enormous influence on his artistic development. She allowed him to see The Shining in Westwood when he was 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, he knew he wanted to write and direct films since he was about that age. Mm-hmm. And then I coached him in soccer for years. I had won the U.S. championship in 1973. And I wanted to win it with him as a as a coach, and he is a player. We made it twice to the final four for the U.S. Open Cup, and lost in the final. And um, I still regret that, but such it is. Mm-hmm. But and we, uh, I taught him how to box, or they taught him how to box at Seventeenth and Hoover. Cannonball Green, sweet old heavyweight, mm-hmm. Henry Davis, who fought Art Aragon, and and. Uh, Henry was sort of like a, a substitute grandfather to my son Christian, streetwise man. Henry Davis was streetwise. He was just here from 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 that area, the Cotton area, mm-hmm. and um, just a wise, wise man. And he says, walking into the ring is like walking through fire. Anyway, I wanted my son to see what that is all about, because I feel that sports are very, very important 
in order to appreciate other human beings, in order to appreciate your own limits and your own capabilities. It is so vitally important. I personally think that most dictators, most autocrats, Putin, Hitler, Mussolini, Trump, were all soft asses. Trump is a soft ass. We talk tough. Tucker Carlson is a soft ass, talks tough. These guys have never been hit. They don't know what that means. They have never been in team sports to understand that you have respect for other human beings, regardless of color, regardless of ethnic background. Mm. When I played soccer down here with the Maccabees, a Jewish team, I'm not Jewish. I was the token German. But there were seven Israelis on the team, tough boys, tough kids. We had more fights against all kinds of Armenians, Croats, Serbs, uh, the Brits, uh, Scots, it goes on and on. Yeah. this but is you a, learn respect for other human beings. Yep, this is wisdom speaking, uh, and sports can do all of that, but I hear his point. <laughs> These guys have never been hit, and that's why they're so soft. Our remaining moments with Eric Braden when we come forward. on enough time, even with an hour, uh, with Eric Braden, uh, Victor Newman on YNR for 43 seasons and counting. Got three minutes here left, very tight three minutes. You mentioned earlier Fox News. I told you Eric is a is a citizen of the world and has thoughts about everything, and not just an actor. He's so much more than that. Uh, he's a citizen artist. He mentioned Fox News earlier, and he was just in the break giving me his take, not just not on Fox News, but on CNN. So tell me, you, you mentioned Fox News. What's your take on what's happening at CNN these days? Look, when CNN was started by Ted Turner, I thought this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He's the arch capitalist with a view of the world and the necessity. He knew of the necessity to be exposed to the world. Uh, Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo had a very, very good uh, show on CNN. Very good. They hit hard, unabashedly truthful, uh, realistic, didn't hold back. Now they have new management, and they're trying to sort of veer to the right. Mm -hmm. And I smelled that rat as soon as they demoted Don Lemon and put him into the early morning hours. Mm -hmm. Who the hell watches that? I didn't watch it here. Mm -hmm. Some people do. Nonsense. I knew something was afoot. It was an attempt, and that's what's wrong by corporately run big business. Mm -hmm. They want to, let's get as many viewers as we can, so let's veer a little bit to the right. Let's try to get some of the viewers who watch Fox News. That's what that is about, and it's a shame. Eric Braden says he smells a rat, uh, and I don't think he's far off course. You can see slowly how Chris Licht, I have nothing against him, but the guy running CNN now is moving it a little further to the right, trying to pick up some additional viewers uh, and save his job and save this network. Um, but that is not what Ted Turner had in mind. No, it's not. When he started CNN. I and that is not what news should be about. Exactly. Eric Braden, I love you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. You already know that. And I thank you for coming here to be so open and transparent about the journey that you are on. I am confident that you are going to be just fine, and this is not going to be your last appearance on KBLA Talk 1580. Tavis Miley, it is a pleasure as always, always has been. You are one of the brightest guys I know, well-informed, eclectic in your tastes, as I am. And, uh, brother, we will march on. We shall march on. That's it. So I don't care what you think, because that's what Eric Braden thinks. I'm good with that. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Eric Braden likes me, and I'm good with that. Hour three of Tavis Smiley. When we come forward on.